Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play.
Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. We do have stuff from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s and the 2010s coming up. And joining me, Leon, in Sound of Play, 51 is a recent addition to the Kane and Rince family. It's uh, Mikhail Croder. Hi. Hi. Welcome back. Well, welcome to Sound of Play. This is your first uh First time of joining us on our music podcast arm. Mm -hmm. um, and I was actually trying to think, um, I don't really know how, like sometimes people sort of um, end up getting involved in Kane and Rince kind of, it just sort of happens organically over time. And I think that's one of these. Like, sometimes people just approach me and say, you know, I want to do something. Can I do something? Um, but it was like, I can't remember. Did, did we just start chatting on Facebook or something? And Yeah, I think we, we just started chatting on Facebook. And then uh, I don't know where, where we ended up. But uh, um, yeah, I think before you asked me to come on... Uh, the show as a speaker i was uh, offering to write some uh, some pieces for the site you know? ah, yes. that's what you asked me i think that's the uh, <laughs> the timeline that's the normal way around we do it uh, yeah. see if we can get people uh, interested in writing but um the podcasting ends up taking up quite a lot of time um because of the our commitment to complete games before we talk about them so you've been on uh, a handful of cane and rinses now you've been on what gunstar heroes yeah. uh what else i'm trying to think Golden Axe. Of course, uh, Golden Axe. Conquer's Bad Fur Day and Conquer. The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Yeah, excellent. Okay, yeah. Uh, so yeah, check all those out, people. Um, we'll get to know Mikiel a little better. Um, also, listeners, if you haven't already, don't forget to check out the previous Sound of Play, number 50, which was uh, a themed special all around The Legend of Zelda to tie in with our ongoing, long-running Legend of Zelda series of Kane and Rince podcasts. And that one uh, is with your hosts, Ryan, and guest uh, community member Andrew Brown. And they uh, talk about the, the the massive opus of work that is uh, the, the complete Legend of Zelda, Zelda soundtracks and feature 24 pieces of music, um, of course, Probably only a handful of those would be the ones that you'd pick, but actually, in some ways, doesn't that make it more interesting? Uh, so, yeah, that should be, if you subscribe, as you ought to, that should already be uh, in your in your iTunes or whatever else you use. Now, uh, we opened the show with uh, a classic piece of 8-bit Sid Chip marvellousness from uh, the mighty Jero and Tell, who we've, uh, we've featured before on this podcast, and no doubt we will again. Um, so that was from Eliminator in 1988. And uh, what made you pick that one for us, Mikhail? It's the, the oldest track I've picked for this uh, show, but funnily enough, it's probably the uh, one of the more recent ones I discovered. Um, right. I have been working for one of the many incarnations, or I was working for one of the many incarnations of, uh, of Commodore, um, oh, back right. in the mid 2000s and um, they had in stock a couple of those um, uh, C64 direct to TVs plug and play uh, machines and um, yeah yeah at the time uh, I was the my boss offered me to take one home uh, take one home but it didn't really the games on it didn't really interest me back then mm. uh, and nowadays since I've become more of a collector I was basically kicked myself for not taking one home yeah because uh, i've seen them online and they're pretty pricey now uh, nowadays 
Uh, what did they have on like Paradroid and Iridium yeah, and Iridium? A lot of Houston games and yeah. a lot of Epics games usually, right. with a couple of exceptions. I think Speedball One by the Bitmap Brothers was on there as well. Okay. Um, but the funny thing about it is about this thing is it's not just an emulation thing, but it's an actually an actual um, FPGA, I believe, uh, actual uh, C64 board inside there inside right. that thing, and you can. Right. So it's you're you're not playing the games uh, emulated in the strictest sense, yeah. but you're playing the yeah. originals, um, yeah. and you can mod the uh, the thing uh, into an actual fully functioning uh, Commodore 64. Fabulous. So I was uh, going through the recently. Uh, I I managed to find one for a good deal on eBay, and I got it in. And um, I was going through the various games, and this soundtrack just really stood out to me. To make a very long story short. Uh, yeah, it was. It's just like it's straight up funk by uh, the one and only Jeroen Tell, and I was familiar with a lot of uh, a lot of his other work already. Um, yeah, it's it's well known that the SID chip was very pretty much kicked uh, kicked the asses of the other uh, sound chips in uh, in its in its day and time, and it it has come to uh, sound quite timeless since still many. Producers of electronic music seem to utilize uh, uh, the set chip, or at least uh, sounds that uh, sound that call like. back to it. Yeah, that, that yeah. Sound, sound, sound like to it. Yeah, for sure. I remember I was having a conversation recently with uh, my my dear old friend Jim, who actually lives downstairs from us now in the flat below, and he was uh, reminding me of a of an episode back in. Uh, would have been the very late 80s or very early 90s when he and I worked together at uh, a burger bar. And this other guy who worked there called, uh, it's a guy called Stephen Grant, and he's gone on to become a fairly well-known, not famous, but fairly well-known um, comedian and broadcaster. Um, but he was he was into his uh, Sid Chip tunes. Um, and back then we used to bring in tapes to uh, to listen to over the, you know, over the speaker system at work. And, uh, you know, obviously people's tastes would vary and clash wildly and uh, it would it would be quite a mix. Um, but Jim, my friend Jim was quite militant about not allowing him to play his Sid Chip tunes, even though, you know, he's a, he's a game fan and, uh, he's you know, he's certainly not anti-video games or anything, but he didn't want to be listening to uh, uh, Maniacs of Noise and all that sort of thing <laughs> over the... Uh, over the shop uh, PA, so he uh, he put the cassette of um, tunes in the deep fat fryer and fried it. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I, I was I was you know chastising him for this the other day, uh, you know, twenty seven years later, and and he was saying, oh, no one wants to listen to that sort of stuff," and I was like, "Well." I've got a podcast, Jim. It's uh, <laughs> it's quite a few people listen to it, and uh, and there we are. We've just opened with uh, an eight bit Sid Chip tune, and uh, yes, by your countryman. Now we've been say, we've been mangling it uh, by saying Jeroen or maybe Jeroen, but yeah. you said it better. Yeah, it's Jeroen. So Jeroen. I, I was waiting. Maybe that's uh, subconsciously why I picked uh, one of one of his tracks, uh, so yeah. I could. Uh, <laughs> I could correct, correct you. us. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Because I, I, I do, I do try um, with all the various um, nationalities of uh, you know creative that we feature on both the podcasts. I do try to get the pronunciations not awful. Like I, I don't try to put on an accent or anything. But yeah. particularly with the Japanese ones, I've sort of learned some of the rules of how how those 
uh, those names are supposed to be pronounced. And I'm sure I still get them wrong a lot of the time. Um, and I find some of the other Scandinavian ones very difficult uh, and yeah, Eastern Europe as well. Um, so that's good to know. I'll try and I'll try and get it a bit closer in future. Uh, but yeah, great pick. Thanks. Next up, we have a community request from our forum canarince.com slash forum find the sound of play folder and make your requests in there or you can just share stuff for the sheer sheer heck of it uh, this is from Nekojin uh, and Nekojin he or she says I have loved Monster Hunter since the very first time I played it on the PS2 at the time of release there was no other game like it online play against huge deadly enemies with no way to gauge your effectiveness against them other than the reactions of the monster you're fighting a deep, fluid combat system that rewarded mastery and punished button mashing. And feel the sweet, sweet taste of long-awaited victory over, over a powerful enemy. In a time when I feel games have been becoming easier and easier, Monster Hunter was an entirely new animal, and I sunk countless hours into its many iterations since the first release. The main theme of the game encapsulates everything I love about the series. It makes me think of grand vistas and picturesque landscapes, the thrill of the hunt, and a heroic last stand turned into an incredible victory. I love this track, and I hope that the emotions it evokes in other listeners is at least half of what I feel when I hear it.
was uh, called Proof of a Hero, composed by uh, Masato Kuda and Tetsuya Shibata. Now, uh, one or other or both, I am not sure in, in the traditional fashion. And that version that you heard there was from the fifth anniversary orchestra concert uh, live, played by the amazing Tokyo Philharmonic Orchestra. Um, but yeah, so that made its debut in 2004. And at the time of recording... Uh, and it will be out by the time you hear this. Uh, the latest instalment is out in Europe. Monster Hunter Generations is out uh, in a couple of days. And you'll have had it for a few days. Um, so I'm sure that Nekojin and the rest of our Monster Hunter community will be excited about that. We have a thriving Monster Hunter thread. There's a whole gang of them get together, go on hunts together online. And uh, I'm jealous uh, that I just can't really find the time to do that. Um, I've still got my copy of Monster Hunter 4, uh, sadly underplayed, but um, maybe someday uh, I'll get Generations and get online. I've been tempted to get into Monster Hunter in the past, but yeah, it's a, it's a huge time sink and it's way yeah. too intimidating for me. Yeah, I played a, a good amount of Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on the Wii U um, because I reviewed it and uh, and I liked it very much. Next up, uh, we have another returning maestro to this podcast. Uh, I'm not sure how many times we featured his work now, must be half a dozen or more. And with e easy justification, uh, you've brought us something from the Pickford Brothers Plock and it's by Tim Follin. What, uh, what is it you love about this one? I think the uh, the Super Nintendo was uh, probably one of the first um, systems where I started started feeling like, hey, this actually starts sounding like real music instead of computer game music or video game music. Uh, probably because of the um, the sound sample cap capacities of the uh, mm -hmm. Super Nintendo. Now, Pluck was already a couple of years in, or well, for European standards, only one year in, but yeah. we've, we've up until Plug's release, we've seen a whole slew of other releases, uh, earlier releases, and um, well, it's it's kind of unbelievable when you when you listen to the music in that game. Like uh, even by Super Nintendo standards, it's just it's super impressive. And this track in particular is, uh, I think it's almost it's a 
Tim Fallen hallmark that he draws from a very wide variety of influences for his uh, for his compositions. Mm. Uh, and this one has a very particularly funky streak to it. The the track calls uh, calls back a bit to Cool and the Gang's Summer Madness for me. Right. Yeah. Uh, with yeah with the chord progression uh, and there's a little bit of keyboard playing that reminds me of uh, Bernie Worrell's from uh, Funkadelic and Parliament fame. The late, sadly. Yeah, the late, indeed. And um, yeah, it's just, it, it really speaks to me somehow, this track. And uh, I love the way it develops and it's very rich. Absolutely. Let's hear it. Beach from Plot by Tim Follin.
thing about Tim Follin is, uh, as well as, as you say, he brings all these, you know, many influences, prog and jazz and folk and, and all this stuff. Um, famously, he did an interview many years ago in one of the magazines and said he wasn't really much of a gamer, <clears throat> but, he, but he, he enjoyed the challenge of sort of wringing every last drop out of whatever hardware he was composing for. And, and he really did. We featured some of his Spectrum stuff before, which just is when you compare it to the normal sort of harsh, clicky, rasping, atonal bleeps of the spectrum compared to what Tim Follin did, uh, it just boggles my mind. And even with the Super Nintendo, which a lot a lot more people were getting a lot more out of in terms of audio, uh, his stuff still sounds like it was being produced on some on a you know something considerably more expensive with with more oomph behind it. Yeah, it's uh, he's remarkable. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say much missed in terms of uh, uh, game composition. I'm not sure what the, if he's done any projects for you know independent games or anything like that in recent times. But um, looking up these tracks, I heard some, I read some rumblings in uh, some YouTube comments under his tracks that there was a Kickstarter that he was involved in uh, for some okay. video game music, but uh, yeah, it didn't seem very substantial. Mm. And somebody else who's uh, gone more quiet in recent times is the composer Russell Shaw um now I know he's well I know I think I believe he's been doing some stuff for uh an independently developed uh syndicate spiritual successor because he worked on um syndicate back in the day the bullfrog game and uh and actually he worked on most of bullfrog's output from um what early mid 90s all the way up to um probably up to the the end of the fable run i i, I think um and uh yeah it's uh listening to this it, it seems a shame if 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 we're not going to hear so much of him in the future um this is requested by dr richard head from the forum uh who says please let me champion summer fields from the original fable a wonderfully small but complex piece it's subtle yet has impact summerfields is alluring and atmospheric in lockstep with some of jeremy Soule's work on the elder scrolls for oblivion uh yes yeah, so sit back and enjoy <laughs> <laughs> the pastoral sounds of summerfields by russell shaw Thank you. 
I'd forgotten how pretty that was. I haven't played Fable since it was new. Um, and I never quite got to the end. I finished the finished Fables 2 and 3, but never quite finished the first Fable. Um, I reviewed uh, the last chapters for, for PC back in the days. Ah, okay. Um, I, I was kind of disillusioned with the whole thing, but I wasn't alone in it, I believe. Mm. So the Lost Chapters was kind of the con- the, the the finished version uh, yeah. of Fable because the original game was clearly missing some bits. Um, and yeah, but then frustratingly, when they released the, the Fable for Xbox On Demand on the 360, they re-released the vanilla version without the Lost Chapters in, which was uh, frustrating. Yeah. Um, but there was, a, there was an anniversary release, wasn't there, um, a couple of years ago on PC um, and possibly 360 as well. Mm. Um, if we ever cover the Fable series on Kane and Rince, uh, which, you know, is is one we've been requested to do a lot. Um, prolific member of our community and sometime Sound of Play guest Glenn Watts worked uh, substantially on Fables 2 and 3. So we'd have, you know, an in right there in, in the insight into particularly the AI side of things. Um, although he's understandably often quite reticent to talk about his time at, um, <laughs> at working at Lionhead uh, and all that sort of thing. So uh, so treading on eggshells a bit potentially. Um, but we can, you know, we could still dissect those games in our, in our usual way, talk about... Uh, you know how how they did and didn't live up to the famous promises, yeah. um, and uh, you know particularly I think there's quite a lot of ill feeling towards the the, the third game in the series, um, which you know I, I don't think is entirely without justification, but equally I, I think sometimes the 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 venom that's uh, pointed at it is probably. Starts to lead to its own life, doesn't it? Yeah, totally, very much so. So you mentioned there uh, you've written reviews. Now, um, yeah, so what what is it that you do? What's your history in games and what do you do? And, and um, I, I, you know, I, I, I know some of this. This is for the listeners. But actually, um, I haven't got a clear picture in my head of how your relationship with games professionally and, and unprofessionally, um, <laughs> how, how that's panned out over the years. Well... Non-professionally, that that's a very long story. It goes goes back very much to to yeah to when I first saw a, a Pac-Man machine, and I was just enchanted yeah. by the the colors and the fact that you could actually actually manipulate what was going on on the screen. And that's a, yeah. a lifelong fascination that has never left. Same me. here. We we've got to be. Yeah, I reckon you're like maybe a few years younger than me, but we're not of dissimilar maybe, age. Is that right? My, maybe three years between us. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, relatively yeah. speaking not a whole lot. No. Um, and yeah, professionally, I started uh, working as a games reviewer, first on freelance basis, and then as a full-time editorial staff member for GamePro in the Netherlands around, yeah, no, it was not around, it was in the year 2005. Right. Since, since then, I've been moving uh, in and around the, the industry. Uh, worked for, for Commodore, worked for Nintendo, all in digital content, online content management and project management. Uh, from, I've worked uh, a little bit for Microsoft as well, and uh, now I'm a free agent. Yeah. yeah. So, Working on some, something we can't talk about, but uh, Dutch yeah. localization work. Yeah, that's one of, one of the things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, many, many words to translate, indeed. Um, so that's how that, yeah, they, you know, for, for those, I know we do have a fair a fair amount of listeners uh, across uh, Europe and, and uh, places that don't, you know, don't 
officially have English as their first language. I know we've got quite a few listeners in Scandinavia and, and around there because um, we tend to take it fairly for granted in in the UK, I would say, about the language you know, the situation, because, um, you know, we know that there's obviously going to be an American version. So, uh, so there's, so an English language version will exist. And obviously, you know, an English is still the most widely spoken language in the world, I think, possibly apart from maybe Chinese. Um, but certainly in terms of reach, more people speak English. So for us, it's just kind of, yeah, well, obviously, unless it's a game that never gets localized anywhere, there will be an English language version. But sometimes, you know, we fire up a game, and, you know, you still get the, you know, multiple language options actually there on the screen if the console doesn't handle it itself. And it's like, oh, yeah, they have to make loads of versions of this. And sometimes, yeah. you know, a release will be delayed for European launch by, you know, six months or even more. While, especially if it's an RPG or something, while somebody such as yourself sits down with reams and reams and reams of text <laughs> and tries yeah. to not only make it make sense, but also make it fit in all the little text boxes. Yeah. There's a lot of fine balances that need to be need to be struck uh, yeah. with that, um, and Dutch Dutch localization is uh, is a fairly recent thing because uh, yeah. as long as I can remember, I was playing games in English and there was no option yeah. for Dutch language no, except right. for certain educational PC titles and, uh, right. and the likes. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. It was off. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I was just thinking. Like, yes, I. You know, f my mind casting back to games with language options. Normally, um, I think sometimes like a 3DS cart will ask you on the first time of setting up whether you want it in English, French, German, or, or whatever. But yeah, in my head, it's like yeah. So it's English, French, or Ger German, maybe Spanish. Yeah. But beyond that, it's not like the I don't know how many different languages are spoken across Europe, but it's, uh, you know, a lot. And um, quite a few of them were pretty much ignored um, for decades, I suppose. But fortunately, uh, your schools, <laughs> the likes of Holland, are much better than ours. And so actually uh, teach the children to speak another language, yeah. um, whereas we tend to be uh, arrogant and clueless over here about foreign languages. Um but in our defence, it's very easy to not worry about it when you know that because of our imperialistic ways in the past, <laughs> the planet still speaks our... We're speaks going our, deep now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, too deep. Pull back. Surface. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I know from our conversations that you have a similar passion for, as well as, uh, you know, all kinds of games, but you have a similar passion for uh, games that some would consider niche or retro and uh, one of those genres that I don't consider niche or retro because uh, I grew up when I grew up is the 2D shoot 'em up. Uh, and uh, recently I've been playing um, Darius Burst on the uh, PS4 because it came down in price. It launched at 50 quid yeah. and was recently in a sale for more like 20. So that was a that was a, a fantastic purchase. Uh, it's on my uh, my Steam wish list. Yeah, it's uh, it's well worth picking up, I'd say. Um, um, but this uh, this track you've picked for us is by the amazing Taito in-house band that I've also featured a few times before, Zuntata. And this is from an earlier uh, entry in the Darius series, Darius Guide. And what is it about this one that uh, tickles you? Well, it completely blew my mind, to tell you the truth. It's uh, it's such a, an eclectic clash and mix of, of musical styles. Uh, the, 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 the backbone... It's very much an uh, an eighties electro breakdance beat, yeah. And then there's this ethereal singing in it that sort of develops into full on opera singing near the end of the track, and it's just yeah, 
it's it's very um it's a very strange feeling you you get when you listen to it and it's almost inappropriate for the type of game you're playing mm. as well um which is something that uh get gets me to sit up and notice inappropriate music tracks for for games because a lot of absolutely music in games actually to be frank uh, passes me by or it mm. just goes in one ear and out the other yeah but i love those uh idiosyncratic uh inappropriate pieces of music uh, juxtapositions juxtapositions yeah yeah so, um other other uh Examples of that would be, for example, uh, the soundtrack of Guardian Heroes for the Saturn. Oh, with, uh, yeah. Bit of jazz funk. Jazz funk and, and uh, 80s club music. Yeah. <laughs> Mixed with a medieval theme. Yeah. And, um, and, and of course, who can forget uh, Capcom versus SNK2. And oh, man. True yeah. lovemaking while you're uh, bashing each other's skull in. Yeah. You know, those kind of, kind of moments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, me and my my friend Simon, who uh, guested on Sound of Play a while back, we used to. Uh, he's more musically talented than I am, but um, but I have some musical background in my family and stuff. And uh, right. we used to try to compose um, back in. This is back in the sort of again late eighties, early nineties. We used to use his his synth to try to compose pieces of music that sounded like the music you'd get in a Japanese shoot 'em up. Uh, <laughs> just. Just yeah, I kind of wish I'd pursued that and uh, got myself a keyboard. I was always talking about it, but I could never afford it. Um, but yeah, uh, now especially having interviewed a bunch of really ridiculously talented composers on Sound of Play, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a string I'd like to have to my to my bow. Still, it's uh, never too late to learn an instrument, as they say. Um, although I think I'd probably struggle more to learn all the software that you need to know now rather than the actual <laughs> the keyboard playing. <laughs> yeah, all uh, the all the helpful tools get in the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got our our good friend Ruben Cornell, who's been on this show a couple of times, who can uh, who can teach me something. Anyway, so uh, this is called Visioners. Yeah, is that are we happy with that pronunciation? Or, yeah, yeah. Visioners. <laughs> anyway, there's not a whole lot else you can make of it, right? No, Visioners with a Z by the Amazing Zantata from Darius Gaiden, 1994.
I always say this when we feature Zantata, um, but there are some frankly fabulous videos of Zantata playing live on YouTube um, from concerts in the late 80s, early 90s, and even more recently. Um, I don't know really what is... Do you know what is happening too with Zuntata now? Because Taito got absorbed into Square Enix. Um, Taito, although Taito's name is on Darius Burst Chronicle Saviors, um, it's not really coded by them or distributed by them or by Square Enix. Mm. So I th- it feels like it's a legacy thing. And Taito is obviously not the, you know, the arcade behemoth it was in, in any way. So... Did the band, you know, did Zuntata just split? Is is there are there any of them left? I just I just don't know. Are they composing music for pachinko machines? Uh, I just I dread to think. Really, you make me regret that I didn't delve into that in uh, in advance well, of the show. Save it for save it for your next visit. We'll we'll talk Zuntata and see if we can we yeah. can dig up what's uh, what's what's going on with them and uh, maybe trace the whereabouts of some of the individual talents yeah. uh, who we've also featured before. Um, well, I've got you. Uh, I may as well ask, how did you come by us, Kana Rince, uh and Sound of Play? It was that notorious uh, Vice magazine article. Of course it was. Yeah. Yeah, I was, we... uh, because I'm sitting, spending a whole lot of time behind the computer, translating, writing, yeah, project, project managing uh, stuff. I was just looking for stuff to listen to and a lot of the uh, gaming podcasts, which I felt like listening to um, as a as a theme didn't really resonate with me or didn't really mm. click with me mm-hmm. and so i was just googling like best podcast uh video game theme post- podcasts and right. uh, that's how i got to the vice article and by extension your your site uh yes we've got uh jager gravening to thank for a huge percentage of our listenership um and uh yeah since i did that interview with him just came out the blue um didn't didn't know anything about him. Didn't wasn't really that familiar with Vice back then either. Didn't know how big it was. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, since then I've you know become his sort of Facebook friend and and all that sort of thing. And he's still uh, he's bringing up his little baby now. He's ever so cute. I see pictures of his baby, and um, he's still he's still uh, he still has to go back to hospital because he had cancer, and he's still he's still oh. in remission. So um, yeah, be- best wishes. I hope you're still listening, Jager. Um, yeah, seconded. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, yeah, I can can never thank him enough for the for the extra reach that that article uh, gave us. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the first and it wasn't the only one, but that was the one that really um, seemed to spread far and wide. But um, it's good to know that when people Google best video game podcasts, uh, we're one of the ones that <laughs> comes up. Um, long may that continue. Yeah, and I, I I was actually very happy when you asked me to come on as well. Because uh, whenever I was listening, and that's what I think maybe you, you've noticed that, but I started commenting under the uh, un, under the podcast on the website. On uh, the blog, yes. Lot, on the blog a lot, so, which, which, yeah, that's which, right. there weren't a whole lot of comments under uh, under the episodes no, there. No, it's, it's very hard to get people to comment on, yeah. on the blog. I don't know why, but um, yeah, yeah but, we're always yeah. grateful. Yeah, so listening to the many podcasts, I started to feel very involved and I'm I always there were these moments in the in, in a lot of the episodes where I felt like oh you know I felt like just jumping jump in, in with an addition yeah. or a comment and uh, absolutely so, yeah. well you've been a fine addition to the team but uh, but enough of this self indulgence <laughs> also <laughs> we mainly we mainly roped you in because you tick a diversity box you know uh, uh, right yeah yeah shouldn't uh, forget that 
you've got to got to represent the uh, the Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have a piece from the brilliant Tomoko Sasaki. Uh, she is uh, best known probably for her compositions for Nights into Dreams, including the famous song. I think we've featured the song before. Um, one of my favourites of hers is the World of Illusion um, soundtrack from the Mega Drive starring Mickey and Donald. Uh, we covered that uh, trilogy sort of loose trilogy, Cast of Illusion, Quackshot and World of Illusion on the Mega Drive back in Kane and Rince something. I don't know which number, but you can seek it out. It's a great podcast, uh, if I do say so myself. Very interesting one. Um, but uh, here we have her composition from Ristar, Sonic Team's sort of odd, sometimes not forgotten game, but, uh, you know... Uh, it, it needs a light shine, shone on it sometimes, I think. Um, this, uh, this request comes from Tamachan87, who says, My submission is from Ristar, a game that has a very interesting history spanning the beginning and the end of the Mega Drive's life cycle. Composed by the legendary Tomoko Sasaki, this level one tune, along with every level in this game, perfectly encaptures the whole theme of the game and the level. A medium-paced tempo with a bouncy, almost waltz-like beat, Dancing Leaves is a wonderful introduction to a wonderful game. An often overlooked gem due to being released around the same time as the fancy new Sega Saturn. I wholeheartedly recommend this game to anyone who likes 2D platformers and the music to anyone with one ear or more.
unmistakably from the Mega Drive there, Dancing Leaves. And uh, the composer, Tomoko Sasaki, uh, you may also know her as the voice of the Chows in the Chow Garden from Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2, and other games where a Chow turns up, the little uh, cute little egghead type creatures in uh, Mario, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games and Sonic Colours, um, those little critters turn up and and uh, she does the voice eh, nugget of trivia for you something else from a japanese stable this time from the tail end of the 90s um and this one will get your eardrums a rumbling <laughs> what have you brought for us mikhail it's moving on by uh composed by uh, hideki ogawa uh, for the um, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike uh, soundtrack and it's the track that plays when the end credits roll after you beat the arcade mode and uh, have dealt with Gil's uh, oh. resurrection shenanigans. Oh, <laughs> oh God. So I, you I, do I, feel like moving yeah. on after that. Yeah. I've heard this tune more because it plays when you get game over it as well, quietly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, just a, it's just a track then. But this, this is the, the full uh, track with vocals yes. by a rapper named Infinite who I first thought was just somebody's nephew or cousin. Yeah. Uh, but he's actually, he has a little bit of clout in the Canadian hip-hop scene. Canadian, uh, all right. Yeah. So okay. he, he was part of a group called Ghetto Concept, uh, which uh, probably turned up on a couple of compilations that I own. Um, and uh, yeah, since since uh, Public Enemy uh, rumbled my eardrums uh, back in the yeah. late 80s, I've been uh, quite the uh, hip-hop music adept. Adapt? Can I say that? In, uh... Uh, yeah, it sort of. Yeah, it sort of works. Yeah, yeah it, right. it means more like you're expert. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Well, it, that's always tough to say. But uh, I've been a an avid hip hop music follower. Um, I like uh, I like words, and uh, rap music contains a lot of words. Uh, when you when you put a true that print out, uh, print out the uh, lyrics to a rap song and put them next to uh, the lyrics of an actual song, uh, song, you'll see a much higher density of words. And some of the words are even arranged very nicely and, uh, and very good. So hmm. that's uh, probably uh, 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 explains a lot of my fascination with the genre. And um, I would say that this particular track is probably the, the very best original hip hop song written for a video game. So it definitely beats the pants off of uh, the DK rap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's actually quite good. And it sort of encapsulates the, uh, the sound of uh, late 90s independent hip-hop music uh, print, uh, printed on, on white label vinyl and the likes. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on. Oh, 
village A dark world with street soldiers, thugs and gangbangers Just like we showed you that last part of your life But now it's changed to the newer era Sick, even more colder than whatever Yo, it's time I moved on I put my title up Everybody got defeated It's time you hung it up Optional The level you on, you better settle This would've been the closest you got to the metal If you plan to start from scratch You gotta fight your way up It's all about the victory and who's getting ate up Survivors are always labeled the fittest That's why you couldn't win this I'm the living legend, veteran in this My first priority got dealt with successfully Nothing more to prove in my corner No more testing me I finished all my missions You tell me who the best could be Capcom and Lockdown Infinity is your So I moved on Now my life is much better On to bigger things But we hustle forever We cut your life short Plus you thought you was clever It's all about the family This thing is silent forever Yo, I moved on now my life is much better, now we on some bigger things But we hustle forever, we cut your life short Plus you thought it was clever, it's all about the family Stay inside it forever Survived as a street soldier and stayed silent forever. Cause of that, now my life is much better. This is making history, the age will tell you much better. Who's best in the challenge to really blow up your spot? Mix a little cap on with yo, what you got? An unbelievable force, too much power to try to get into. Catch us on the next sequence, a little more to do. You try to pick the evilness to try to bring me down. But I got Almighty One on my side holding it down. It's time I moved on, bigger things, bigger contenders. Get this paper from winning matches and money spenders. Motion picture types, so what's it gonna be? Get tuned in the new world of Street Fighter 3. So I moved on, now my life is much better. On to bigger things, but we hustle forever. We cut your life short. Once you thought you was clever, it's all about the family. We stay in silent forever. So I moved on, now my life is much better. Now we on some bigger things, but we hustle forever. I cut your life short. Once you thought you was clever, it's all about the family. We stay in silent forever. Yeah. Uh -huh.
village A dark world with street soldiers, thugs and gangbangers Just like we showed you that last part of your life And I was changed to the new ever Sick, even more colder than whatever Yo, it's time I moved on I put my title up Everybody got defeated It's time you hung it up Optional Yeah, so I played that game at the arcades. Uh, you can still find Third Strike cabs in Japanese arcades, or you could last time I was there. That was 10 years ago, but I bet you still can. Uh, and I had the Dreamcast version and the PS2 version uh, and the Xbox version. Uh, and I've got the Third Strike uh, online, whatever they called it, the Xbox 361 by, yeah. was it Iron Galaxy did that one? Um, I think it yeah, was. I, yeah, it's Iron Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, still uh, amazing. Um, still the Street Fighter that I am the worst at, apart from possibly <laughs> Street Fighter Five, because I haven't committed enough time to to that to get even vaguely competent on on the new systems. But I love me some Street Fighter. We've covered um, two of the sort of series of Street Fighter. We covered Street Fighter Two and its many uh, sort of follow ups in uh, issue 133 of the Kane Rinse podcast. And more recently, uh, we covered the Street Fighter Zero series, or the Alpha series, as it's known outside of Japan, in Kane Rinse 207. Um, thoroughly enjoyed making both of those podcasts. And I suspect one day uh, I will try, um, because I'll want to, to host it, um, so I'll need to get back and get practicing and uh, and get some, but also get some proper uh third strike devotees aficionados on for that one because it's um it's a game that asks i'd say quite a bit more of the player than than its predecessors in terms of the parrying mm. um and other systems uh, did you did you get handy at third strike uh no because by the time it came out uh the only arcades around my way only featured the big uh, sega spectacle caps and uh, right. it wasn't really you know, there wasn't really space for uh, old-fashioned sprite-based 2D fighters anymore. So I had to... Um, and I, I've messed with a couple of them on uh, on consoles in that, mm. in that era. But everybody was just playing Tekken and Soul Calibur at the time. And I had nobody yep. to play with. So no, uh, Man, if only we'd known each other then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'd have been separated by hundreds of miles. It would have been a, a ferry trip. But, you know... Yeah, I, I remember even happen. selling off uh, Capcom, SNK, uh, Capcom versus oh. SNK 2 because... I yeah. was just playing it by myself. And I know. Where, where's the fun of that? But yeah. uh, I, I later reacquired it again once uh, once the uh, 2D fighters started uh, yeah, coming yeah. back in vogue a bit, a bit again. Yeah, uh, it's a shame. I think it's a shame Capcom vs. SNK series didn't get a, a, a downloadable uh, re-release. I assume it's licensing issues. Um, yeah. we, we talked before, I can't remember, I think it was... I can't remember which podcast it was, but... Um, I, as I understand it, the the last uh, sort of downloadable Capcom fighting collection that was the uh, Darkstalkers one or the Vam- Vampire series didn't do very well um, at all. So I think that too bad. So, yeah, really bad. I mean, it's it's a wonderful release of of some of a, a, a brace of phenomenal games with just astonishing art and, and music and fantastic gameplay. Um, but I, I think just, yeah, people had moved on um, and maybe all the people who are really into that sort of thing just had, you know, had it on various other formats already. But for me, it was like, wow, this, you know, this brings these games uh, onto the modern consoles with online play and achievements and all this sort of stuff. And I was hoping that the series would continue with the Street Fighter Zero, uh, probably 
Street Fighter Zero two and three on one release, and then Capcom versus SNK one and two as well. Um, yeah. But sadly, sadly wasn't to happen. Um, but you know, retro re-releases don't look like they're going anywhere in terms of um, they're still coming out on PS4 and Xbox One and PC all the time. So it's not like um, we've just forgotten the history of games. And obviously, hopefully, podcasts like Kane and Rinse and Sound of Play will keep that feeling alive for some time yet. Our penultimate track in Sound of Play 51 is uh, was requested on Twitter. Uh, don't forget you can do that follow us at Kane and Rince and um, just put the hashtag sound of play if you want to request a tune um, if you can include a few words as to why you've picked it so much the better um, and we're going now from hip hop to heavy metal in our crashing juxtaposition way uh, and Crisploitation says of Hair Faust by Frederick Thordendal Frederick Thordendal something along those lines uh, Mecca Rampage and Meshuggah's lead guitarist Heart Faust from Wolfenstein, the new order. 
uh, by Machine Games. Came out a couple of years ago now. Um, I played the pants off of that. I always, every time I mention Wolfenstein New Order, I have to mention that I got the platinum on it because I, I don't get many platinums. Uh, and I had a lot of fun getting that one. Uh, we covered that game on uh, Kane and Rince podcast issue 176 as part of uh, an entire Wolfenstein series where we even went back and talked a little about the, the 1981 and 84, I think it was, the very first two games in, in the series, the 8-bit Wolfenstein games, um, which we found were basically too difficult to play through and complete, so we couldn't officially cover them. But we were all really quite impressed by just how much of the, how many of the series staples that they put into play on these these really really quite you know elderly eight uh, bit games. Um, you got any fondness for Wolfenstein's? I don't know. Are you much of a FPS guy? I don't know. Um, I haven't been for the longest since it became such a an ubiquitous uh, genre with mm-hmm. it, uh, and I didn't see a whole lot of interesting uh, things going on. It. Particularly, I'm not really really a fan of the uh, straight play military themes. No. Um, but uh, in recent years, I've been uh, coming back and uh, to them and. Yeah, Acquiring games like Fear and uh, mm. um, yeah, the, a couple of uh, I got uh, Doom Three not too long ago as well, and um, I've been uh, I've been getting back to them uh, a little bit again. So um, I think it's it's very refreshing when you haven't played them for a while to get back to that genre Absolutely. and, and yeah. really start enjoying the the level of immersion they can provide from the first yeah. person perspective and uh, intense shootouts, and I. What I've come to realize is that I like my first-person shooters in themes to be very imaginative and crazy. So the new order should be right up my uh, my alley, uh, actually. I think yeah, I, I, it sounds to me like like you get a lot out of it, and it. Um, I think it, along with the the recent 2016 Doom, I think it uh, they're both games which managed to keep a lot of what was simply fun about uh the earlier first person shooters while keeping a lot of the the you know the niceties of the modern games in the genre um and in, yeah. in fact the new order reminded me as much as anything while i was playing it even though to go back to goldeneye now is not a, always a massively satisfying experience um it reminded me of the feeling that i had when i was playing goldeneye back in mm. 1997 interesting um so yeah i i recommend it um if you don't want it spoiled, don't listen to that podcast. But if you want, if you want to hear a lot of praise for it, uh, definitely that podcast is the, is the place to go because yeah. we, we we lavished it with love. The assembled panel, um, yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll definitely come back and do because we did the Doom series more recently, and we'll definitely do uh, the recent Doom at some point in the future. And it's um, only right that uh, Wolfenstein and Doom are uh, showing everybody how it's done again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, plus a change and all that so listeners before we hear from our last uh, guest selection from Mikhail, remember do venture over to the forum at canarince.com slash forum or twitter as I say at canarince use the hashtag sound of play you could try SOP I don't know um, but supposedly that might also mean standard operating procedure but yeah you can try it or the Facebook page, of course, facebook.com slash Uh our busy and friendly Facebook page. 
um, where we uh, take news from around the gaming sphere and share it there uh, rather than clutter up our blog with it and uh, waste our entire lives um, copying out press releases and other people's news items. Uh, but yes, continue to request tracks. That's the main thing. Now we're weekly. We're going to need more. We've still got a few uh, lined up, but um, but do keep them coming. We're always looking for your favourites as well as other interesting curios. And as you've heard, they can be from any era, any platform. The only thing we don't generally go for is uh, sort of licensed tracks by bands, you know. Uh, but we will take sort of requests from licensed tracks where it's something like, you know, Braid, where it's licensed music, but people probably won't be familiar with it. Anyway, keep them coming. That's what I'm trying to say. And we'll include a selection in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play podcast. Subscribe to us. And how about leave us an iTunes review or at least a rating? I was looking today on iTunes, um, just in the British store. I haven't looked elsewhere um, because it's a bit of a, a faff. Um, but we haven't had a, a new review for Sound of Play on iTunes since March. Four and a half months. Scandalous. I know. So if you like this show, or even if you don't, at least tell us. Um, if you've got feedback about this podcast, um, leave it for us on iTunes or uh, TuneIn or Stitcher or whatever else. Um, I don't look at all of those because I don't know where to look, but... Um, Anywhere you can leave kind words or constructively critical words about what we do, it's uh, much, much appreciated, as is anyone who is willing and able to send a dollar or whatever a month our way via our Patreon, patreon.com slash Rinse. Thanks to everyone who's already donating to help keep us trucking with hosting fees and uh, hardware and all that sort of thing to keep us podcasting weekly. Uh, but uh, more would always be welcome. So, uh, Mikhail, have you got anything, uh, obviously, apart from your work on Cane and Rinse, um, I think you've got your own blog and, and a Facebook page of your own. Perhaps you want to share those with the... Yeah, I don't really have a lot to, to plug right now that might be of interest to the, to the listeners. Um, if you need any um, <laughs> translation but, yeah. uh, or... Your services. Uh, so my services as an online project manager, translator, or copywriter done, you can find me at www.stay-on-targets.com. Uh, but, um, yeah, and, and you can follow me on, uh, on Twitter, if you like, at the uh, incredibly dramatic <laughs> handle of uh, at mkillar. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have that much uh, much plugging to do that could be of interest to to, uh, to the listeners as i said uh, maybe that will change in the future since mm. i'm working on some stuff behind the scenes yeah behind yeah. closed curtains yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right so we're going to close with uh, another uh, shmup track and this is the most recent um title among your picks uh, so what have you brought for us it's uh background music six the uh evocative Evocative, <laughs> evocatively titled. Yeah. Uh, so a track by uh, Manabu Namiki for the uh, 3DS game Kokuga, uh, which was directed by the uh, one and only Hiroshi Iuchi uh, of uh, Radiant Silver Gun and, uh, and Ikaruga fame. Indeed. Um, a fun game. I can uh, heartily recommend it. 
especially if, if you have other 3DS owners around because the game is fully playable in down uh, in da download play in multiplayer um, and the uh, I, I felt like I had to uh, represent for Manabu Namiki since uh, yeah. it's I'm it's not the type of music he makes isn't really something I would often listen to outside of uh, mm. outside of playing the games but they're the sort of catchy real video game tunes that you might think are are kind of missing from uh from the industry uh right now it's uh it's stuff that actually lingers on in your mind long after you play them so he scored a lot of games by by cave uh he scored the uh rebirth games yeah, by, by, by m2, m2 as yes. well yeah uh, a lot of other stuff he's been active since uh 1993 i, I believe um and it's kind of the he creates a kind of classic video game tracks uh that um yeah it's it that you normally only find in uh in in uh music that tries to emulate that sound uh yeah. like like chip modern chip chip tune tracks mm. only with uh with more modern equipment and arrangements and uh and instrumentation he was also given the uh, honor of um, being uh, asked to compose one of the new, one of the two new tracks on 3D Outrun uh, that they added right. for, the, the, for the 3DS release. So, yeah, so that's, yeah. that has to count for something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yes, you'll probably be familiar with his work if you've ever played uh, any of the, the sort of biggest cave shoot 'em ups, uh, Mashihime Summer and Dodonpachi. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever enjoyed a, 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 a 2D shoot 'em up, you've probably you've probably heard his music at some point, Battle Garega. Um And this is one of those from Kokuga. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Mikhail. Thanks for joining us. Hope you'll come back. Yeah, it was fun. And we'll hear you on the uh, the other podcast soon, I'm sure. Uh, good luck with the translating, and <laughs> uh, we'll leave you with BGM Six. <laughs> <laughs>